that sometimes people think, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's as far as I can go. But you started with the tongues. Some of those are some real tongue-twister names. But you notice they didn't get in the New Testament. I want to take you to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I told you I want to speak on the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. We call it communion. What is it? What's going on with that stuff anyway? Well, the Lord gave two things, two special things. Some call them rituals. Some call them by a lot of different names. Some people say, well, they're, they're institutions. Yes, the Lord did institute these two very special things. And we talked about and we observed baptism. Now I want you to know something. When Sky and I were up in this tank, that wasn't a me thing. That wasn't a he thing. That was a we thing. It's the church authorized to baptize. And likewise, there is the Lord's Supper. It's not a me thing. It's not a ye thing. It's a we thing. I hope you can appreciate that. As I said, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read for a text verses 17 through 29. And most of what I have to say based on those verses. 1 Corinthians 11. You got my kind of Bible. It's on page 16, 1681 to start. But you don't have to be on the right page, but the right place. 1 Corinthians 11, we start at 17. <clears throat> now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Do you believe it could be possible to convene in a church service and be worse off for doing so? Paul says, don't do it this way. Do it this way. So we're going to eliminate the wrong and talk about the right. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I have to be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which reprove may be made manifest among you. When ye come together therefore in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> You're doing something wrong. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. One is hungry, another is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. A lot of people like to start in verse 23 because those other verses say they kind of a cold prickly, but it needs to be said, else it wouldn't be in the word. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Those that came from the Lord, Paul had it, and Paul is telling these folks in Corinth that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, 
which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Uh, unless somebody snuck around while I wasn't looking, that's still carved in this table, isn't it? This do. Here's they don't think about it and stop there. Don't talk about it and make that it. This is something we're supposed to do. What we do, why we do it. Right there. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And then the Holy Spirit's commentary, 26 through 29. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, not just the first time, not just your last time on earth, but every time ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. Don't say the preacher shows it. Don't say the deacons show it. It says ye. That's why they used to refer to the communion of the Lord as picture preaching and table talking. The Lord willing, in a few weeks we'll be an observance of the Lord's Supper. And that will be the sermon. You will be preaching it just as much as me. Oh, you might not say too much out loud, but by your actions, because it's true, actions speak louder than words. You can tell people how much you love Jesus with your mouth. But have you invested your life, your time, your talents, your energies, your thoughts? Are you focused? Is He first in your life? Oh, I love the Lord so much. I would, I would do this. I well, why don't you just do what the Lord said to do? I don't mean to get into personalities, but I once pastored a church that had a man who was a deacon in the church, but he just never got around to coming to communion. Never did. I guess he didn't feel the need. One man even suggested. Maybe we ought to start having the Lord's Supper in the mornings. Then another man said, well, it is the Lord's Supper, not the Lord's breakfast. Oh, never thought about that. You think that's what the Lord meant? Yeah, I think that's part of it. So, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So it's important that we do it, how we do it, why we do it. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Passage it doesn't get read in some places sometimes. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It makes a difference what we believe about what we do when we worship the Lord. It's not well I can do it any old way, any old time, with any old folks that I want to. You need to read your Bible. You see when we speak of the Lord's Supper yes some people call it an institution what sort of an institution? We call it an ordinance. Now I knew a guy had a little background in the army so do you want guns? Cannon? No, no, not that. An ordinance. It's something the Lord has directed us to do. 
It's an act of obedience. It does not save you. It does not keep you saved. Just like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 talks about the fact we're, we're saved by grace through faith. Not of works. So works don't enter in. Oh, yes, they do. Not to get you saved. Not to keep you saved. But to show that you're saved. I want to show the Lord how much I love Him. How can I do that? Well, uh, look on the table. Look in your Bible. Lord, you want to remember me? He didn't say last candle. He said, you do this. In remembrance of me. Why do we do it? Who are we honoring? That's what it's about. And so, we call this an ordinance. Now, some people, perhaps they just don't know better. But some people will call that a sacrament. Now, I hail from California. The capital of California is Sacramento. The capital of the state named for in many circles, a sacrament means a means of grace. What you do to get to, on God's good side. Well, there's nothing we can do. Christ has already paid the price. He's already been the substitute, the sacrifice. And so, we don't call it a sacrament. I uh, inherited a book from Marsha's dad by a man of a different group. 21 sermons on the Lord's Supper. And he looks at it a lot of different ways. But he never actually speaks of it as an ordinance, but you go to the back part and he talks about how with this confession, that confession, they refer to it as sacraments. Now, to their credit, some people will make a distinction from what Rome says about a sacrament. But I don't even like that word, sacrament. And I went to sacramental day. So it's not the word itself, but what is behind it? I'll tell you what it is. It is, a, it is an ordinance. It is something the Lord has told us to do. And somebody says, yeah, aren't there a whole lot of things the Lord said to do, like like foot washing? Well, let me tell you why foot washing is not an ordinance. Does that mean you shouldn't wash your feet? I hope you washed your feet today. If you didn't, let's keep your shoes socks on. The Lord did say in the Gospel of John, follow my example. But He's talking about humility, which we talked about. See how Sunday school and preaching come together? It's a humbling thing. man told me how he went to a service and, and one fella, he was a, somebody would call him a wit but they don't want to be half right if they said so. And he washed his left foot and then he took off his right for the foot washing time and nobody in the church except one sweet little lady, she got up there and washed his feet. You know, if, if you come to church like that, not the right heart, not the right mind. I think about those things. But the reason why baptism and the Lord's Supper 
are ordinances. They are to be remembered. One is a one-time thing. If you've been baptized the right way, it's not necessary. But when it comes to communion, because, well, I did that once. Well, he didn't say. He did it once. Got you covered. No. He says, as often. He doesn't say how often, but as often as you do it. You're doing it for the right reason. You're honoring the right one. You're doing it in the right way. All of that. Those things are important. Now, I think we know, if we look in the scripture, who is the author and thus gives the authority to observe, to keep the Lord's Supper. By the way, the ordinances are things that we keep. We read from the 11th to 1st Corinthians. At the first part of that very chapter, Paul says, I commend you that you keep the ordinances. And that word for keep, I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago, it literally is be stingy with. Now you can be as generous as you want to be at your own table. A lot of people got together for Thanksgiving and family and friends get together and sometimes people are in the habit of inviting others to come in because they say, well, if they don't come to my table, they, they might just be alone and I don't want them to be alone. That's your prerogative. You can invite whoever you want to your table. It's your table. But this ain't Steve Rain's table. This ain't your table. It is the Lord's table that He told us. And He lets us know through Himself and the Apostle Paul who ought to be there. He's the one who instituted it. As Paul said in the 23rd verse we read, I received it from the Lord. Christ Himself told the Apostle Paul, this is what you do, this is how you do it, and this is why you do it. Laid it all out. It wasn't just for one night, as we saw. The early church, you read Acts chapter 2, it says they met and they had breaking of bread. I don't think that means that they ate because I have reasonably even the heathen people ate food. No, that breaking of bread, I believe it's a reference to the fact that they broke bread together. It's a continued thing. You know, sometimes we get in a conversation. Sometimes we take up a study. Sometimes I'll be reading in a book and I come to a part to be continued. The Lord's Supper is not, well, I did that now and then that's, that's a done deal. No, until the Lord returns, he says. And that impacts even your eschatology, but that's another point. To be made until the end of the age, the Lord says, all things that I have commanded you need to know those things. You need to do those things. You need to preserve those things. A continual thing. Well, what are the materials? The supper does not mean, well, we just have any kind of food we want. Let's have a luau for the Lord. No, the Bible doesn't say that. You might say, well, I'm from Hawaii. I believe in having a luau. Somebody says, well, I'm from Alaska. I believe in eating. Uh, what is that sound? Blubber, blubber, whatever the, the comes from the varmints up there. No. The Lord gave a very common uh, couple of things. He talked about the bread, which is a symbol 
of the body. When Jesus says, this is my body which is broken for you. Some people have a strange idea. They think that somehow you can say some words or have some pleasant thoughts or have the best of intentions and somehow that dough, that cooked dough, that wafer literally becomes the body of Jesus Christ. No. There's a term for that besides a bunch of baloney. It's called, the word is transubstantiation. In other words, the physical content of what you see before you is literally the flesh of Jesus Christ. No. No. In fact, when some of the pagans in Western Europe were listening in and watching this strange service, when, when the priest got up in Latin and said, Corpus meum, which is Latin for my body. And so after a while, they, they came across with hocus pocus. That's why the fake magicians said hocus pocus, because they thought, those people are turning bread into human flesh. <clears throat> so that's where that hocus pocus thing came about. Now there were some who broke from Rome, and said, no, 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 it doesn't literally become the body. But, you can't see it, but there's some ooky, spooky presence down there. Somehow, you get some of the grace of God by coming to that table. Now, give me some scripture on that. That's called consubstantiation. And if somebody's convinced you of that, you have been conned, but the wrong way. There is no magic in this table. You don't get more nutrients in your body because you eat a little piece of unleavened bread. No. In fact, uh, we talked about Mr. Luther. He pulled out of Rome, but he's, he held to that consubstantiation idea. And he said, let me tell you, when Jesus says, this is my body, in fact, he got him a big old chunk of chalk. They didn't have whiteboard back then. So, or, or overhead projectors and PowerPoint. So he got up with a big old chunk of chalk. And he got up to the work. And he wrote, this is my body. Slammed down the chalk like, there. That ought to prove it to anybody. But there was an Anabaptist there who was debating. And he said, well, if you look back in verse 4, the same chapter talks about the rock that did follow them. And that rock was Christ. The rock symbolized Christ. The bread symbolizes Christ. The body of Christ. Right? That's what we're talking about here. It's a figurative thing. Likewise, the fruit of the vine. Now, they didn't have Welch's grape juice back then. They didn't have grape-flavored Kool-Aid back then. If they drank the fruit of the vine, you just leave it alone and God in an actual process it becomes what we would call wine. And again, it's a symbol of 
the blood of Christ. Now in some groups, the people eat the bread and the priest drinks the wine. I wonder if the priests are always sure a lot of people show up for the service. Because if there's only a little bit of folks, I just get a little bit of wine. When the uh, people of that other side of the aisle, when they come into the prison, they always had a sign-up list for the ones who are going to show up. And they said, if you have 18 inmates, you better have 18 servants so that they can, can get that. Well, it's the blood of the new covenant, as we saw in verse 25, which Hebrews 13, 20 speaks of it as the blood of the everlasting covenant. So, we talked about its author, the materials. What is the order? Because things are to be decently and in order. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Now, Paul wrote a lot to the Corinthian church because they messed up. They needed some instruction. They needed a cheat sheet, if you will. So it's good to have order. If you don't have order, what do you have? You have chaos. You have confusion. You go, oh, what, what happens next? Who does what? It, it's a good idea to have a sense of order. A pattern has been provided. So the Lord took the bread. And he blessed it. That means he thanked the Lord for it. He sanctified it. He said, this is not something that we use for leftovers someplace. No. And he broke the bread, which is picturing the fact that Christ's body, in not too much time after this, would literally be broken without any bones, and yet the body was punctured. It was beaten. It was battered. It was bloody. And we're talking about the entire ordinance being alluded to. The Lord gave it that they might obey by taking it and eating it. You know, it's interesting. When the Lord gives a direction, some people are over here. Well, we just don't do that in our communion. Because some people feel left out. Some people feel like uh, somehow that's, that's a divider. You know, folks, there are dividers. One of the great dividers is the gospel. That's right. If somebody were to come in here and say, I want to join this church, but... Uh, I don't buy into your gospel. I don't accept your Jesus. I don't read your Bible. But I'm a Christian in my own way. There's only one way to be a Christian. That's Christ's way. Well, uh, how do I know it? Read the book. He gave you the book. Oh. So it does make a difference what you believe. Absolutely. That's another message. So, so the Lord not only took the bread, but he also took the cup. I told you that ordinances display something of the gospel. We talk about the death, the burial, the resurrection. When we baptize someone, they are buried with him in baptism, raised in newness of life. That's why when the subject goes down, we don't leave them under the water, do we? I know Scott's glad I didn't leave him under the water. I'm glad my pastor didn't leave me under the water when he dumped me. Raised in newness of life. That's not the end of the life. It's just the beginning. Any man being Christ is a new creature. It's what the Holy <laughs> Spirit does 
in you to make you a new creature. But how do you tell folks that? Well, the Lord says, here's how you do that. And so he gave us the ordinance of baptism, and he gave us the Lord's Supper, by which we talk about his death. He died first, and so it should have a great importance to us. Who's to participate in the Lord's Supper? This is where it's really interesting out there. We had a dear friend. I'm satisfied she's with the Lord now. She lived in Little Rock. And she called us up one Sunday night because she was, she was a, a good friend. She was at our home many times. We were at hers many times. And we did a lot of things together. And she called up one Sunday about an hour before church. And said, hey, Marsha, uh, you're having church stuff. Oh, Lord willing, yeah. Well, good. Uh, I think I'll come on down. And Marsha called off her name. He says, well, I just want you to know we're having communion tonight. Oh, good. I haven't had communion in a while. Well, we believe in close communion. Oh, I'll, I'll sit close with God. That's not what I mean. We believe that communion was given by the Lord to his church. Well, she saw a universal church. I can't see that. You know, there's a guy that wrote a song. His name was Bill Gothard. And I'm so glad that when he wrote that song, he didn't say, I'm so glad I'm a part of the universal church. I couldn't sing that in good faith. He said, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. If you're a child of God this morning, you're my brother or my sister. Even if you're not a member of this church. You might even have a different label. You might... Have a no label. You might be a non-denominational, interdenominational, and denominational, whatever. If you have been born again, you are my brother or my sister. But that doesn't automatically make you. Now we were in place one place we live. The signs of the church where salvation makes you a member. That's church is foreign in the New Testament in my study. But. Uh, our dear friend begged off that Sunday. She came back again, but never to observe. I'm satisfied that the Lord gave the supper to the church. If you read 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you know, if a person, if they're not a part of he says, no, not to eat. I don't think that means, you know, you're my kid, you're my husband, you're my wife, but you're not a Christian, so we can't eat dinner together. No, it doesn't mean that. But as far as sitting at the table of the Lord, it's reserved. Now, open communion means anybody comes to that door, come at Just whatever, whatever you've done, whoever you've been with, whatever you may or may not believe, come one, come all. You won't find that in the New Testament. You'll find some places will say that. Now, we welcome all to come to services. We're not sneaking around in the bed of night to let's have a service of the Lord. But we don't want anybody to know about it. No, we want to shout it from the housetops. Put our messages on sermon audio so people all over the world. Thanks, Brother Jeremy and some others who help him with that. We get these messages and we put them out there for people. And uh, you have to look on the map sometimes to find some of the nations that are 
picking up on this because we are honored to serve the Lord. It is an opportunity for us to get the word out. In that way, we can get the word out into all the world. We have four missionaries. We are thankful for them. We pray for them and support them financially. But we can't... I, I've never physically been to India or to Thailand. I've been to Mexico, but not to be with Brother Andres. And I've never been to Europe. But uh, I may never be those places. But I can influence the work that the Lord's churches have done in those places and to be involved in serving the Lord Christ. And you can too. So I want to serve the Lord. Ain't the one way. And that's unto Him be glory in the church. I think that's one reason why you'll find that in the book. So who, who is free to observe the supper? Now there's some people in one of those other groups, they bring the little babies in and, and before they reach age of 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 or whatever, they say, Let, let's have them have communion. Well, it does talk about discerning the Lord's body. You know, the ordinances are supposed to be experienced by those who are able to discern. That's why we don't baptize under any circumstance and in any manner one who is not old enough and not conscious and able to relate the fact my faith is in Jesus Christ. That's why a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching on baptism, in fact, Brother Cody helped me to preach that message. And read the fact that a Bible textbook used in our Christian school until we said something about it. Said, can you see how this verse in Acts 8 was put into the King James? Well, James and the Church of England, they didn't have a problem with just saying, well, let's just baptize somebody. Baptize upon their, their, their faith. You make a profession of faith. We're to baptize upon someone's profession of faith. If they make a credible profession, go with it. Peter said, can any forbid water? For these have evidently been saved just like we have. But if they can't or won't make a profession of faith, I mean, God bless this little gal, year old. Is it today her birthday? Is today her birthday? It was this week. It was Thursday. Thursday. What thing to be thankful for. Alright. But uh, we would have no business baptizing this little girl. Nor would we have any right to say, well, come on up and, and we'll give you some of this bread and, and some of this wine and, 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 and you'll be participating. No. The Lord didn't say uh, for them. Somebody says, well, I'm seeking salvation. Well, seek and ye shall find. If you have found it, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Wonder how we can say so. Read the sign, folks. Read your book. Jesus, this do in memory of me. You want to profess Christ? Put yourself on display. Stick your neck out. Number one, 
be baptized. Number two, remember the Lord as He said to do it. Well, I'm a Christian. That's me. That's why I wear this piece of jewelry. Or that's why I do eat this and I don't eat that. Or whatever. You go with all kinds of ways you can kind of con yourself. I'm a, I'm a good Christian because I do this or I do that. How about beginning by doing what the Lord said? That's why we talk about these as, as ordinances. Now, I say closed communion because it's the supper of the Lord. It is closed to the membership of this congregation. I have visited places and they were observance of the Lord's Supper on the occasion I was there. And Marcia knows better. She knows my mind. And more important, she knows the Scripture. And so, as long as everybody stand and Marcia's going to come by with the plates and and remember, this has nothing to do with whether you're saved or not. Why they say that, I don't know. And this has nothing to do with whether you're a member of this church or not. I think I know why they say that. They want to claim they have a whole bunch of folks there. And so the plate comes by, the plate keeps on going, and I don't pertain. Well, you think you're too good? No, that's not the point. I have no business. Now, if you get together and have a family <coughs> reunion, and you invite me uh, as a guest, I'd be glad to see what the family does, but just showing up at your reunion doesn't make me a part of the Smith family or the Jones, Rob, Jones Robinson or whatever family. And likewise, the Lord says, this is, my, this is what I want you to do in my name to honor me. And you do it this way. You do it on your own, you're on your own, folks. And I have to answer to the Lord Christ. And so do you. Now you might say, I don't agree with that preacher. That, that's just, I, I can't buy that. Well, don't buy it because I say, buy it because that's what the Lord says. Now I do know this. There are some folks, dear brethren, in, well, West Virginia and Kentucky, and there may be even some in Tennessee, and they say, we believe in close community. You get church A over here and church B over here. And we're all friends and neighbors. We, we go to Walmart together. We have to go to the same schools and do different things. And so we all know each other. And so if church A is having communion, folks from church B, they show up and observe the supper. So they say. And likewise, no. If I show up, I'll watch. I can observe by watching you. Because I'm not a part of. See, anything that everybody is open to, how can you be stingy? How could you keep the Lord's Supper if there are no standards? Why, well, that guy's a rapist, or that guy's a murderer, or that guy's a thief. Well, he showed up for communion. Let the Lord judge him. Paul also told the Corinthians, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. We need to be discerners. And we begin with ourselves. That's why I remind you now, be examining yourself. And I hope, we'll talk about worthy in just a little bit, but it's important we come to appreciate that. 
So it's a it's a we thing. We observe the Lord's Supper. Not me. Not one of you, and I'll say you. It's we. As often as ye come together, ye do show forth the Lord's death. <coughs> what is the rationale? What is the regularity? Why? Just like the Lord said, to show forth the Lord's death. This has nothing to do with saying, well, I'm a good Christian. I've been a Christian so many years, and I've done this, and I've done that. That's not what it's about. It's to talk, to display, to commemorate, to observe that Christ Jesus did what we could not and would not do for ourselves. We're commemorating. It's a it's not a celebration. We don't show, Woohoo! Jesus died. No. Wrong tone. Wrong mind. It's a commemoration. I hope you'd never go to somebody's funeral and if the preacher got up and said, does anybody have a word to say? Yay! Joey's dead! What? What's wrong with you? And certainly when it comes to Jesus Christ, we rejoice, but you know there are tears of joy. Those are the sort of tears we ought to shed. Now, there's no timetable. There's no frequency stipulated in Scripture. It doesn't say how often, but it says as often. So whenever we do it, if, if this church chose to have communion every week, I can't say it'd be unscriptural. If another church says, what well, we do it quarterly? Well, we do it every week. Well, that's fine. Paul never said, Jesus never said, how often? It says, as often. Now, I know of a church that uh, had a lot of tension in it. And somebody said, you know, we haven't had the Lord's Supper in about four years around here. I sort of think that's not often enough. It ought to be often enough that uh, we can remember the last time we had the Lord's Supper. Folks, your heart needs to be right before we observe the supper. That's why I mentioned verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And then it says, And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now if you look at yourself, you say, you know, spiritually, I'm a sinner. Guess what? That's the only kind of folk Jesus saved. You can't change the fact that you are a sinner. You can't live sinlessly, but you should strive to sin less. You really should. And then in verse 28 it says, examine himself before we approach the table. We should examine, first of all, toward God. Lord, you know my mind. You know my heart. Brother Sean read it this morning, the last verse of Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart make me feel good about myself. No, you're reading the wrong Bible if it says that. Be acceptable in thy sight. 
O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The last two verses of the 139th Psalm says, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Number one. Now you should constantly be saying, Lord, examine me. Check me out. Bring it to my mind. Show me the scripture. Convict me by your spirits. And then also our attitude toward our brethren. Let me tell you something. If you show up for communion and you say, I'm a member of this church and I hate so-and-so's guts. You really don't have the right mind. You really don't have the right heart. You really don't have the right spirit. Go with me please to Matthew chapter 5. I know the Lord wasn't talking about the Lord's Supper in this. But I think there is a principle that we find here. Because there's some people, they have tunnel vision when it comes to serving the Lord. I got in my mind, I'm going to do this for Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter who's there, I'm going to do this thing because I've got to do this thing. Me and God, we got this thing going on. It makes a difference how you are toward your brothers and your sisters. In the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Oh, there's Jojo over there. Now, you know, <laughs> we had a little business deal, and I cheated him. <coughs> Marsha and I watched a film about a fellow who for two years cheated people. And he thought he was pretty clever. The Lord got a hold of him. And he changed his tactics and went back to do all that he could to try to resolve the situation. Sometimes you can't. People have a way of dying on you before you can go make it right. But he had the right heart. He's moving in the right direction. But you got a grudge against somebody? Settle that. Ephesians 4 says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you have a gripe with me or any other member of this church, deal with it. Forgiveness by sundown. Like the man said. So what does the Lord say in the next verse? He says, you got a brother who's got aught against you? What is it? Oh, that's his problem. I can worship the Lord. I can give a gift to the Lord. No, he says, leave there thy gift before the altar. and Go thy way. You know we have a saying, first things first. What's most important? God. And then we sang a song. I've wondered since I came there. Others. I wonder who whispered to you to have a sing. Others. I think we know. It is important how we treat others. The Lord first. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's how you spell joy, isn't it? First be reconciled to my brother and then come and offer thy gift. Make it right. Make it right. And then, of course, it's important that we be able to discern the Lord's body. 
That's why we read back there in verse 29. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, and a lot of sincere people say, I'm not worthy. No, you're not. Neither am I. The Lord gave this ordinance to sinners who had been saved by the grace of God. Now, I'm an English teacher right now. It's not an adjective. He didn't say, if you're unworthy, don't partake. That's not what he said. Unworthily, that's an adverb. That's not who. That's how. If you do it in the improper manner, if your mind, if your heart, if the materials you use. I've been to places and they said, we're having the Lord's Supper. Oh, I remember this church. I'll stay here and watch what they're doing. Now, as we pass the grape juice and crackers, I'm definitely going to take the Lord's Supper here. But that's what they do. They'll answer to the Lord for what they do. Just like you will. Just like I will. And we hear what the scriptures have to say. So, unworthily. You don't do it with the right heart. You don't do it for the right reason. That's why we talk about these things. Discerning the Lord's way. Just like baptism, 1 Peter 3, 21, it's not the washing of the filth of the flesh, but it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. If you're committed to Jesus Christ and you're committed to this place, this church has an opportunity coming up. So if you say, well, preacher, I've got to get my, my house in order. You've got some time. You, 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 you need to be thinking along those lines. Like I said, when it comes to preaching, I mean, I love to preach. I guess you know that. But this church preached a couple of weeks ago when Sunday night we had a baptism. What me? I talked a bit, but it's the church that baptizes. You authorize me to go through the motions, but it's the church who calls for it to be done. The church is involved in that. And likewise, it's the church that observed the Lord's Supper. May we understand how precious is the blood of Jesus Christ. How precious is our opportunity to honor Him, to do what He said. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? It's very convicting, isn't it? You can go through the motions. You can say I'm this. You can say I'm that. When Marshall's little brother was just an itty-bitty fellow, he's running around with a fake gun. He said, we are the soldiers. We are the soldiers. I said, Ian, well, what are you in? Are you the Army? Nope. Navy? Nope. Air Force? Nope. Marines? Nope. Coast Guard? Nope. What kind of soldier are you? I'm a soldier that gets out there and fights. Who are you attached to? What regiment? <laughs> Who do you get your orders from? How are you commissioned? Huh? He just think, I guarantee you. In Southeast Asia, when I was 19, my number come up. I was number 100 in the lottery. Had I been called, if I'd said, 
Oh, who needs to fool with the lottery? I'll just get me a gun and go over there and start shooting people. Yeah, I'll be part of the solution. No, I'd be part of the problem. Some crazy American over here shooting people just because he says, well, I'm going to help fight. You have to be authorized. You have to be commissioned. You have to be charged. You need to be in the chain of authority. And that's what it's about. My brother, my sister, if you say, well, I love the Lord. Fantastic. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How can I do that? Well, we talk about baptism. We've talked about that and we've seen that. Oh, Kevin baptized. Anything else? Well, there's a whole lot of stuff, but uh, we got carved in wood down here for a reason. We got it written in our Bible more than once for a reason. We do it in remembrance of Him. You want to remember Jesus? There will, live, there will be a lot of people in the next several weeks that I'm going to remember Jesus and I'm going to, they're going to do this. And they're going to do that. Because that makes me a Christian. That's how I identify with Jesus Christ. What commitment have they made as the Scriptures say? Child of God, let's think like Let's walk like it as well as talk like it. Let's have a song, a couple of verses. Okay.